Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You doing good? You a little tired? All right. Hey, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Garrett Johnston. I've been the student life intern here all summer. Um, I've had an absolute blast uh, getting to know some of you guys and especially your students. Um, and even those of you online who are watching right now, I'm getting to know you right now. So hello, if you're watching online, to my family. If you're watching, maybe, I don't know. Uh, originally, I'm from San Diego, California. Uh, so a little different than uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. It's kind of been an interesting transition. Um, and I, I currently go to school at Johnson University, which is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, and so I've been all over, but I'm excited to be back here in January while I'll be transitioning full-time as the student life pastor overseeing high school and college-age ministries. So I'm excited to be back. Um, yes, sure. Okay, cool, cool. Um, but uh, until then, I've got to head back down south and finish up some school. I was, I was down in the south this last weekend. Um, I was in Nashville visiting my fiance and her family and spending time with them. And last Saturday morning, I went to this breakfast spot, right? And I was working on this message. And I mean, I was, I was focused, man. I had like Bibles out, journal out, everything. I was going. Could have been the Holy Spirit. Could have been the cold brew coffee. We don't know. But I was going. I was focused, right? And then all of a sudden, I noticed a group of girls around my age come and sit at the table right next to me. And, you know, okay. Is anybody else an eavesdropper in here? Come on, it's church. We can be honest. Hey, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of the eavesdropping, and I was definitely guilty in that moment, okay? The conversation was, was simple and, and not that interesting at the beginning. It was, you know, oh my gosh, they brought me peanut butter banana toast, and I ordered yogurt, fruit bowl, granola parfait. Like, a typical issue, right? Nothing... Nothing of that, that much uh, intrigue on my end. And then I heard one of the girls go, oh, this was good. So what are you guys looking for, like spiritually in a man? And it was at that moment that I knew I'm not going to get anything done. <laughs> I was interested. I was interested now you have my undivided attention. Go ahead, ladies. Let me hear it. So I'm eavesdropping, right? And, and they give good answers. Like they were, they were okay answers. One girl said, uh, I want him to be a leader in the house when it comes to doing devotionals. That's good. That's nice. Uh, another girl said, I want him to pray with me every single morning before I go to work. And I was like, oh, all right. Nice. Another girl said, I want him to be a man of the word of God. Which that's just like, a, like a, that's good, but that's a mouthful. Like a godly man is what you're saying. You don't have to add that many things. And then the girl who asked the question, she said something kind of, not a bad quality, but like really odd to be looking for in a significant other. She said, I want him to be excited about and ready to go to heaven. I was like, <laughs> ready to go? Like now? What? And, it was so, and then they said things like talkative and hold the door open for me, right? So these girls, they had their priorities. And I thought for a moment, and I laughed. And then I thought of this quote that I recently heard. It says this, Biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imaginary wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen, but has been promised by God 
will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. See, what these girls were talking about was, was this vague hope, this wishful thinking of a future spouse. See, we know, as Hebrews 11:1 1 tells us, that faith is the confidence of the things that are hoped for. It's not a vague hope. It's not wishful thinking. When it comes to our lives and when it comes to our relationship with God, we must understand that we are not wishfully thinking of a man who will provide hopefully. We are believing that he will deliver on everything he has promised. And faith, and and what I want to unravel today is that faith is believing that there is more. There is more. That's essentially what faith is. It's believing that there's more. In every part of our life, there's more to our past. There's more to your present. There's more to your future. You know, maybe you catch yourself dwelling a lot on the past, thinking back on on loss that you've had or, or sins that you've struggled with or places that you've been. Maybe it's the present. Maybe you have a hard time right now believing that there's purpose and meaning to your life. Maybe you have a hard time thinking, hey, are are the struggles that I'm currently going through ever going to end? Maybe it's, it's your future. You know, maybe you have a hard time believing God for the things that are yet to come saying, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if I should take this job. I don't know what's going to happen to my family. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't know what school to go to. I don't even know what's going to happen to my own life when it comes to you, God. I don't know. Let me tell you, faith is believing that there's more. We're in the middle of our series, Incredibles, where we look at these incredible heroes of faith that are mentioned in Hebrews 11. And the first and most important thing that we must address in this whole series is that even when we are not incredible, we have a God who is. Even when we are not faithful, we have a God who is. He's always the main character of every passage in every book and every verse. Everything must point back to him because he's the incredible one. We can try our very best to be as incredible as we possibly can, but what it comes down to is that he is God and he is the incredible one. And he promises that to your past, to your present, and to your future, there is more. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we recognize that you're present now. So God, I ask that you would would come and do what what it is that only you can do, God. God, invade this place. Invade our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. We're ready. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. So the incredible that we're going to be talking about today is a guy named Joseph. Some of you may know him as Joseph the Dreamer or Joseph, the guy with the technicolored coat, right? That guy, he's Jacob's 11th of 12 sons, and he happens to be Jacob's 
favorite, most beloved child of all the 12 boys that Jacob has, Joseph is number one on the list. Joseph had, had this crazy beginning that I want to look at that transitions us into our first point, which is this, if you're taking notes, there is more to your past, who God says you are. Joseph's story starts out, and his father gives him this coat. He gives him this technicolored coat that signifies that he is his favorite. And, and I actually brought a similar coat today. This is, this is the one that my dad gave me uh, when he told me that I was his favorite. Uh, so I'm going to throw, this is, this is it, seriously. Uh, my brothers are probably watching right now like that never happened. Um, but things good, yeah? You like that? That's good. Come on. This is cool. All right. So this is, this is kind of what Joseph was rocking, right, from daddy. This is what his dad gave him. He gives him his coat, and it signifies, hey, you're my favorite. You're my beloved. And his brothers hate this. His brothers absolutely hate him for this. And so they start scheming behind his back. Genesis 37, starting verse 18. This is what it says. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we'll see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard this, he rescued them out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. Do you notice what they did? They didn't just betray him. They didn't just throw him into a pit. No, they stripped him of this robe, of the robe that his father gave him. The first thing that we must understand about this robe is that this robe was not just a piece of clothing. This robe was not just a gift from his father. No, this robe was an identity marker proclaiming who it was. It was proclaiming, hey, this is Joseph, my beloved, most favorite son. And his brother's attempt was not just to betray him. His brother's attempt was to rename him and give him a new identity that goes against what his father had already said about him. Do I have any, any coffee drinkers in here? Anybody? Yeah, come on, hold it high. Anybody? Starbucks? Is that like your spot? You can, don't be ashamed, people. Come on, don't be ashamed. Starbucks. So I go to Starbucks occasionally, okay? Hit up Starbucks. Uh, and uh, they're constantly spelling my name wrong on the cup when they write it. Anybody else? Like, I think it's part of the job description or the application that, like, hey, can you not spell names? And they're like, yeah, I got you. Uh, my name's not Garrel, okay? There's no L's, man. Where did you hear that? It's to the point where I've settled on Gary, okay? Like, at Starbucks, I'm Gary. Because it's what they hear anyway. I say, yeah, Garrett. And then they go, Gary? I'm like, sure. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, so, Gary, even Red Sea Cafe wrote Gary today. Although, I think she knows me. She was just messing with me. But... We're constantly getting these new names, these new identities. You know, I think a lot of the time, outside of, of Starbucks, 
We let the world give us a different name. We let the world tell us who we are to them. We let them redefine who it is that we are. But we have got to remember that there is more, remember, there is more to our past. And we've got to remember who our Father has already said we are. And the world cannot strip you of what your Father has clothed you in. They can't take, if they want to take, they can. They can have this because this is just a physical representation of a spiritual declaration. There's already been something proclaimed over your life defining who it is that you are and we cannot let the world take that from us because they can't take what our Father in heaven has already given us. And when God sees you, trust me, he sees a beautiful technicolored coat. Because when he sees you, he sees the colors of green, which represent creation and new life. He sees blue and purple, the colors of royalty. He sees white, the color of purity and sins being washed away. He sees red, the color of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. So whatever you've experienced, you've got to believe there's more to my past. There's more to the things that I have been through. And what the world says about us, it only lasts a moment. What God says, that lasts a lifetime. And it's when we understand whose we are that we figure out who we are. We've got to understand what our Father has already spoken over us. But it's not just about our past. Joseph goes through so many different trials and ups and downs, and it leads us into our second point. There is more to your present. What God has you doing. So Joseph, if you're familiar with the story, uh, he gets thrown into a pit. Right? And then from that pit, he ends up getting sold, and he ends up at this dude named Potiphar's house. And so he's staying at Potiphar's house. He becomes a servant, a slave, whatever, and he's working for Potiphar. Potiphar ends up leaving him in charge of his whole household. Okay? And so one day, Potiphar's gone, and it's just Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Some of y'all are like, oh, I know this story. We're going to talk about it, all right? So, just a little bit. We're going to go through real quick. So Potiphar's wife, she got a thing for Joe. Okay? Scripture tells us, He's a good-looking dude, okay? So she comes down, hair did, makeup on, right? Looking good for Joseph, you know? And he's like, I'm not having it. I got to get out of here. And he runs. He flees from temptation. He runs so fast that when she grabs him, she literally pulls his cloak off. She basically pulls his shirt off. That's how fast he's running. Some of us are like, yeah, that's how we got to run from temptation, man. We got to run up out your clothes from temptation, Okay. But Joseph runs from Potiphar's wife. Potiphar comes home and he sees the cloak and he assumes, obviously, the worst. So he throws Joseph in prison. While Joseph is in prison, he meets these other prisoners and he interprets their dreams for them. Two years go by while he's in prison and Pharaoh finally hears about this dude. And he's like, I got to get this guy up here to interpret some of my dreams. So he calls Joseph out of prison and he loves Joseph so much. He loves what Joseph has to say that he actually promotes him to be his right hand man. And I love what scripture tells us about Joseph in these moments. 
When he was a servant in Potiphar's house, it says this in Genesis 39, verse 4. Joseph found favor in his sight, in Potiphar's sight. He found favor, even as a slave. And if we go, go further, when he was a prisoner, Genesis 39, verse 21, the Lord gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. He was constantly finding favor no matter where he was. Why? Because he believed that there is more to my present. He believed that there is purpose in my position. Let me tell you, your position will change. Our positions are constantly changing. Whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace, wherever it is, your position is going to change, but your purpose remains the same. Your commandment is to be an incredible hero of faith and being faithful to God and find favor in his sight wherever you are. Because our current situation is not our promised destination. Come on, that's good news. Our current situation is not the promised destination. What you're going through right now does not have the final say. And so we've got to thrive in the now. We've got to find purpose in the now. We've got to find reason in the now. I brought with me a little prop here. Some of you may know what this is, a Polaroid camera. Some of you are like, what is that? I use an iPhone. Like, I've never seen this contraption. Ready? Boom. There you go. This is retro. This is cool, right? This is pretty sweet. So this is the camera that maybe some of you used back in the day or for some people my age know like the hipsters made this cool again. Okay. So this is our Polaroid here. Do you guys want to, can we get the lights up actually? Let's, let's get a pic going here. Yeah. Ready? Let me get a good shot here. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So how many of you familiar with a Polaroid camera, yeah? You kind of know how it works. You've heard, you've heard, hey, you gotta shake it, maybe. That's a thing, you gotta shake it like a Polaroid picture. Hey, uh, no outcast in here? Yeah. We can sing outcast in church, come on. What's cooler than cool? Ice cold, there you go, all right. Hey, so, you, so you've heard, you know, shake it like a Polaroid picture, right? Or maybe you've heard, I don't know if this actually works, but maybe uh, you've heard that you gotta cover it like in dark, in the darkness, right? You've gotta cover it up so it can develop, okay? So, so we could shake it, we do that, we could cover it up. Let's cover it up a little bit. I'll put my Bible over the picture, kind of let it develop. I think a lot of times we find ourselves in, in a moment like that. You'd say, hey, right now, life's pretty shaky. When it comes to my job, I don't really know if there's security. It's pretty shaky. When it comes to your, your home life, maybe things are a little shaky. When it comes to, to your, your faith life, your, your walk with God, maybe you you catch yourself saying, hey, it, it's a little shaky right now. Or maybe, maybe it's not the shakiness, but maybe, maybe it's the dark place. Maybe you'd say, hey, hey, you don't know the things that I've done, the things that I've, that I've experienced. It, it's pretty dark. You know, maybe right now, it was hard for you to even come in this morning because you feel like you're in such a dark place. And if Joseph were here today, 
he would agree with you. And he'd say, yes, it gets dark. Yes, it gets shaky. But we've got to understand that the shaking and the darkness is just the developing of a beautiful picture that God has already taken of you. And so we have got to find purpose in the shaking. We've got to find purpose in the darkness. We have got to understand that the shaking is the making and the darkness is just the developing of something beautiful that God has already spoken over you. And you've got to believe that right now it doesn't look so good, but God has promised something greater. So I'm going to fight through the shakiness. I'm going to fight through the darkness, and I'm going to believe that to my present, there is more. There's a reason for every season that you have been through, and there is purpose in your position. You can find opportunity in opposition. You can have triumph in any trial. I promise you, church, that the shaking and the darkness is just in the process. And there's a greater word that has been spoken over your present. And you have got to believe, we have got to believe that today. Is that true for anybody in here? There is more to your present. Whatever God has you doing, there's more. It's not just about our past or our present. You know, we, we read about Joseph and, and, and we wonder, you know, okay, why is he mentioned in Hebrews 11? And, and, and so the whole, the whole series, what the whole series is based on is Hebrews 11 and why Joseph is mentioned there. So Hebrews eleven twenty two 22, it says this, by faith, Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. What? That's not that cool, man. Come on. Like, we're not going to talk about the coat. We're not going to talk about Potiphar's wife. We're not going to talk about, I don't know, maybe him in prison or him being the right hand of Pharaoh or maybe how eventually he kind of saved the whole economic system of Egypt and then how he later even forgave his brothers for what they did to him. We're not going to talk about that. Like, I thought it was weird. Anybody else like, okay, author of Hebrews, like, what are you talking about? Why does that matter? But but this original story comes from Genesis chapter 50. At the end of Joseph's life, on his deathbed, this is what he says. Genesis 50, verse 24. Joseph says, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So he knows he's about to die, and he says, hey, soon, you guys are going to be in Egypt for a while, okay, but I promise, God's going to come, he's going to deliver you. When he does, take my bones. Anybody else like, okay, what happens to the bones? Anybody? Because that was me. So if we jump forward almost 200 years to Exodus chapter 13, verse 18. This is what it says. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. All right, so it happens. 
200 years later. Our third and final point is that there is more to your future where God is taking you. It's not just your past. It's not just your present. It's about your future, believing where God is taking you. There's more to what's unseen. Does anybody want to know if they ever get buried? Anybody? We can read it right now, yeah? All right. Years later, we're talking like 250 years later, we find ourselves in the book of Joshua. The Israelites have finally made it to the promised land years later, and it says this in chapter 24, verse 32. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. 250 years later, the thing that Joseph spoke of finally came to pass in the promised land. There is more to your future. There is more to the things that are unseen and not understood. We have got to believe that faith is not just about, hey, there's more to what I've experienced or what I'm currently experiencing. Faith is saying there's more to the things that I will and have yet to experience. 250 years later, we finally see what Joseph spoke of. Why? Because Joseph believed there was more to where God was taking him and there was more to his future. Even though he couldn't see it, even though he couldn't understand it, he was able to proclaim there's something else going on here and God has promised and so God will deliver. Last night, we had a, we had a powerful night of celebrating people getting baptized at our baptism bash, receiving new life in the name of Jesus. So I, I, I want you guys to check out this quick video real quick. I'm Mary Kay Dierick. Um, we've been coming to River Glen for about 12 years, and I serve in just different miscellaneous ways throughout the church. I'm Rick Dierick, and um, I serve on the arts team. We were baptized when we were infants, young, um, and we've talked about it over the years. I, I, I don't know why we procrastinate. I think it's one of those things where if you don't do it right away, you kind of keep putting it off, and we, we want to, we feel time is right. I'm the most excited about our children baptizing us. I, I think that's just probably the coolest thing that has ever happened to us. Actually, the decision was really was really the kids. Um, they've been encouraging us to get baptized, and we're super excited about wanting to baptize us. And I mean, as parents, I don't think there's anything cooler than that. I mean, just the the notion of it is probably the coolest thing that I've ever experienced as a parent. Honestly, I, I hope the baptism challenges me to be more accountable, especially in public. I mean, sometimes. Have this this inner faith but you're not always great at, at showing it or expressing it and I hope that this allows me to be a representative of that faith and, and to hold myself more accountable to living it. I would say if you are contemplating getting baptized I'd say just go do it because we've been contemplating a long time and then, you know years go by 
And if you have faith, you have faith. It doesn't matter how, how weak you think it is or how strong you think it is. It, it's a testament to that faith and in your commitment to growing in it. So there's no reason to wait. <laughs> really, it's, it's that simple. clap it up. That's awesome. That's awesome. As Dave mentioned earlier, 14 people came forward yesterday and gave their lives to Jesus saying, hey, there's more. There's more to me. Maybe you find yourself in here and you're like, man, I missed baptism bash. Maybe just because the Chick-fil-A, but maybe you missed the baptism. We got a pool right here. And if right now, if right now God is tugging on your heart saying there is more to you, then we can do that. We can do that. But you've got to believe that there's more to what I've been through, that there's more to what I'm going through. And that even though the future is not seen, even though I don't have an answer, you see, faith does not give us an answer. It just assures us that there is one, and his name is Jesus, and he promises for you, and he promises for us that there is more. He's not finished with you. He's not done with your life. He's not done with this church. Pewaukee is just the beginning, and God is saying, I've got more for you. I've got more for this church, so come forward. Step into life with me and say, there's more to me. There's more to what you're doing, God. He's not a God of if. He's a God of when, and everything he's promised will deliver because scripture tells us that his promises always end in yes and amen. Do we believe that this morning? We have got to believe there's more to what is going on. He is God. And what he's done, he promises to do again and again and again. Amen? Amen. I want you to spend this time reflecting on these lyrics that talk about the faithfulness of God. And the things that he's done, he will do it. Again, there's more, there's more.